Before we get started, I want to pray. If you have a Bible, get to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. So it's towards the back of your Bible. It's a very small book, so if you need help from your table of contents, please feel free to use it. Uh, the table of contents is a very helpful tool. So get to 1 Thessalonians, and I'm going to pray, and we will jump on it. All right? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for another day on this side of life, God. Thank you that you've brought us here, that you've given us your word, that we can open it and hear from you directly. God, I pray that tonight we would get a greater picture and a greater burden um, to communicate the good news of Jesus to our friends. But God, most of all, I hope that we would get more consistent in our love for people. Lord, that you would help us see areas of our lives where we are not loving people well tonight, and you would call us to love, and that we would respond by the power of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so around your tables, real quick, I would like you guys to talk about this. What is your favorite chore? What is your favorite chore around the house? All right, hey, so if you haven't talked about it yet, talk about what your least favorite chore is. Least favorite. Okay, all right, all right, everybody, everybody, everybody lean in, everybody lean in, everybody lean in, okay, shh, let's quiet down. Okay, so I, I want to hear maybe some of your favorite chores. What are some of your favorite chores over here? What are some of your favorite chores? Hey, and just real quick, here's the rules. When somebody else is talking, what should you do? You should listen. You should listen, not talk. Okay, over here, what do you guys got for me? What were some of your favorites? Mason. You raised your hand. Like, you have to have something to say. Oh, what's your least favorite? I'll give you that. Oh, okay. Are you the kid who has, like, the pile of clothes somewhere in his... Yeah, okay. All right, all right. All right, Isaac? Cleaning your... That's your, your, your favorite? Favorite. Janelle, there's one for you right there. Yeah, there you go. Sai. Mopping the floor? Okay, do you, so, so question. Do you guys have like, do you guys mop like with a bucket and like a thing where you go like this? Or do you have one of those sweet ones that's like a gun that sprays out solution and you get to like? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so it's kind of like a bucket. I got, I got you. Okay. All right, what about over here? Favorite? Hey. 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 What about over here? Favorite chore? Landon. For real? Cleaning the toilet. Okay. It is easy. This is true. Mowing. You like mowing? All right. All right. I like it. I like it. What about, let's get, let's get two over here. Two over here. Hey, guys, 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 quiet down. Quiet down. Quiet down. Please. Okay. Over here. Cleaning your room? Yeah. Taking care of them bunnies. Liv, we'll give you one. Cleaning your room? Okay, all right. I'm going to ask your parents if that's your favorite chore and see what they say. No, I'm just kidding. Um, all right, so my favorite chore around the house is mowing the lawn. I love mowing the lawn. It's therapeutic. And here's why I love mowing the lawn. I actually don't like mowing. Whoa, how does that work? What? How do you like mowing the lawn but you don't like mowing? So when I mow, um, I like to listen to podcasts. It's something that I do. So for those of you who don't know, 
podcasts are basically like talk radio, but in the 21st century, it's, there's an app on your phone, and I can listen to guys. Like One of the things I love to do is there's a, two pastors that just kind of get together and have conversations about the Bible and about faith and about life and about like things that are going on in the world, and it's just really helpful for me, so I love to listen to that. Um, but I also like to listen to uh, another podcast by a guy who's uh, a Hebrew and Greek scholar. Uh, he's just a really, really insightful guy, teaches some things from the Bible that I, I kind of would miss, typically, if I'm, if I'm reading the Bible. And so, um, but I, I love mowing the lawn because it's an opportunity for me. It's an hour and a half straight that I know I just kind of get to chill, listen to some podcasts, crank out some mowing. And, like, mowing's okay, but um, it's my favorite chore because I kind of get that, um, get a piece of learning, I guess, or something from it. There's something else I'm doing while I'm mowing the lawn. My least favorite chore, Kate said it dishes. I don't like dishes. I can't stand dishes. Like, I absolutely loathe dishes. And guess what I do not have in my house? A dishwasher. There's no dishwasher in my house. So, Sarah and I, we, 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 we bought our house. Um, actually, here's a fun fact. Guess who lived in my house before I did? That guy right there. It was his house before it was mine. Mason Brown. And guess, here, check this out. This is, this is really, really cool. Guess who lived in that house before he did? Bryant, who was the guy standing in the doorway during the game with blonde hair. So Bryant, Bryant actually grew up in that house, which is fascinating to me. So that house has some history. So three generations of homeowners living in, the, or, or hanging out at Hype. I think that's pretty cool. Um, hold, hold on just one second. So I, I can't stand doing dishes. Uh, Sarah and I, after we moved in the house, we lived there for about two weeks. We looked at each other and we said, next time we buy a house, there's going to be a dishwasher in there because this is ridiculous. What were you going to say? What do you mean? What do you mean? Oh, <laughs> you guys are going to start donating to the Watts dishwasher fund? Okay. Hey, I'm with it, man. I'll take it. I'll receive it. That would be a blessing to my family, especially Sarah, because Sarah typically is the one doing the dishes in the house because she's a baller like that. So, um, But anyways, like, I love doing, I love mowing. I don't like dishes. Here's something I have found fascinating. The more and more I've, I've gotten the opportunity to uh, be around students and um, hang out with students and talk about faith with students, I've noticed a, 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 a pretty common trend. Hey, I will split y'all up faster than you can say, holy cow. So I'm for real. And I'll make y'all look silly. I'm, I'll put you in like by yourself throughout the room. I'll put one of you right here. Okay, so I'm just letting you know. Okay, and make sure you, your booty is in the chair, please, thank you. Um, so, but I've noticed something very, very, very fascinating when it comes to students, and it's this. I think many of us treat Jesus like he is a chore. I think many of us treat Jesus and faith in general like it's a chore, and not particularly a chore that we enjoy. And here's what I mean. When's the last time you sat in front of, and I don't want you to answer this question out loud, I just want you to think about it. When's the last time you opened up your Bible and you read it because it was something that you enjoyed doing? For example, today, I watched the Bears game. I put it up here. Why? Because I'm the pastor. I can do whatever I want. Just kidding. No, I, I did it because I, I enjoy watching the Bears, right? It's something that I, I can do. I love doing, right? And so I, I watched the Bears game. Um, I typically watch it every week if I can. If not, whatever. Like, life will go on. It's okay. But I watched the Bears game because I enjoy doing it. I come here, 
not just because it's my job to come here. I, I, I do this because I enjoy doing it. It's fun for me. It's, it's, I love doing this. And so when's the last time you, you opened up your Bible and you read from the Bible, genuinely wanting to hear from God and, and enjoying that process? I think a lot of times we open up the Bible like out of guilt, right? Like we feel like if, if, if we crack open the Bible today, that, that God is, like God's going to love me more if I open up my Bible. And here's the thing, and I, and I want to tell you this, and I hope this gives you like peace of mind. If you feel like God's going to love you more just because you opened up your Bible and read it, that, that is a lie. It's not true. It's not true. God loves you no less when you don't open the scriptures, and he loves you no more when you do open the scriptures. I just want you to hear that. God's love for you is not based on your performance as a Christian. God's love for you is based on the work that Jesus has accomplished on the cross. And your ability to receive that love through Jesus that was accomplished on the cross is, is based in the fact that whether or not you have faith in that work. You have confidence in that work that Jesus accomplished for sinners, this opportunity to receive salvation in a relationship with God. So why are, we, why are we talking about that? Jesus is a chore, or we treat Jesus as a chore. So I've given you kind of a little bit of what I think that means. Now around your tables, I want you guys to talk about what you think that means when, when, when you hear Jesus is a chore. So here you go. Let's see if we can get this thing to work today. Boom. Okay, so sometimes we treat Jesus like a chore. Talk around your tables about what you think that means. Take about three minutes. All right, let's bring it back in. Let's bring it back in. So um, what were some of the things that your group, your group said? Yeah, something like you have to do, almost like if you don't do it, you feel guilty, right? Or somebody's going to shame you. What were you going to say? Cooper, right? Oh, okay, got you. Yeah? Boring. Yeah, that's good. That's good insight. Yeah. I love that you just connect all of that with loving God. We're going to talk about that in a minute. That's awesome. Hmm. Okay. I like it. Anybody got anything over here? If not, justice? Eyes. Okay. So, do you got anything? No? Okay. You got some hair, though. You do. You got some of that. Um, here's, here's the deal. I think, I think many times we treat Jesus as a chore. And here's what I mean. I, I don't just mean like practicing um, activities of the faith, right? Like reading your Bible or going to church or talking about Jesus with your friends or worship or prayer or any of those things. I'm not just talking about that. I'm, I'm, I'm actually talking more. I love that you connected that to love because, because I, I think part of the reason why we are tempted to treat Jesus like he's a chore is because we're inconsistent in our love for him. I really do. I think, I think that many of us struggle with being consistent in our love for Jesus and, and that affects the way that we see people, right? Because if we're honest, if, we can never genuinely love people in the way God has called us to unless 
it comes out of and overflows out of it a love for God, right? My love for Isaac is enhanced if it's coming out of a love for God. And what I mean is this. When, when, when Isaac and me are hanging out, my main goal is to represent Christ to Isaac. So how am I going to do that? Well, I'm going to want to serve Isaac because Jesus served people when he was here. I'm going to talk about my faith. Why? Because Jesus talked about God when he was here. And so everything that I do when I'm hanging out with Isaac is going to overflow out of a love for God. And I'm going to express my love for God in my actions with Isaac. And so it affects my love for him as a person, right? You guys tracking with me? And so if we're inconsistent in our love for God and our love for people, I believe that 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 has something to say to us tonight. Because I think what, what 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 is trying to get us to see is that it's going to help us see that we must talk about Jesus with others out of a deep concern for them. Not as a chore. Not as something that we have to do because the Bible commands us to do it. Rather, it's something that we want to do, not have to do, something that we want to do because we're deeply concerned for the people in our life. And because we're deeply concerned with the people in our life, we, we want to get them acquainted with this Jesus that has done so much in our life. So I'm going to read the first two verses of First Thessalonians chapter 2, and then um, I'm going to have you guys do something around your table. So First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 says this, For you yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our visit with you was not without result. On the contrary, after we had previously suffered and were treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, we were emboldened by our God to speak the gospel of God to you in spite of great opposition. So what we see in this passage is we see Paul encouraging these Thessalonian believers. I don't know if you guys remember this from last week. Mike talked to you guys about like sharing your story and how important it is to know your own personal story so that you can pass it on to others. But one of the reasons Mike was talking to you guys about that is because what he wanted you to see is Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 is celebrating the story of the Thessalonian church. He's celebrating how God had worked in their lives and how that work made a dramatic impact in the people around them and in the nation around them and things like that. And so after Paul celebrates their story, he says this. He says, you know, brothers and sisters, that when we, when we came to you, our visit to you, it wasn't, it wasn't worthless. It wasn't without result. And so here we see that the message... Right, Because what, what we're doing, if we, if we go back here, if we're talking about Jesus, what are we doing? We're communicating some kind of message, right? There's some sort of message that we're communicating to others when we're, when we're talking about Jesus and how he's impacted our lives. Well, what's that message? Well, Paul says in this chapter, it's not worthless. It's not without result. It means something. I think a lot of time we treat Jesus as a chore because we forget how worthwhile the gospel actually is. We forget how, how amazing the gospel actually is. And when we... When we are inconsistent in our love for God and our love for people, what we're doing is we're convincing ourselves that the message is worthless. It's not going to have any results. It's not going to benefit anyone. It's not going to help anyone. It's not going to help me. It's not going to help my friend. But, but Paul shows here that the message isn't worthless by pointing to two things. He talks about knowing the message with certainty and seeing the message with clarity. He knows the gospel is true with certainty, right? He says, on the contrary, after we had previously suffered and were treated outrageously at Philippi, as you know, we were emboldened by our God to speak the gospel to you in spite of great opposition. Paul has just celebrated with the Thessalonian church how he knows they're saved. That's what we talked about over in the high school. We talked about that, that it is possible for you to know with certainty that you're saved. Without a shadow of a doubt, to know that you're in Christ. 
to have no doubt in your mind. The Bible calls that assurance. That's the word for that, to know with certainty that you're saved, to have confidence in your own salvation because of what Jesus has accomplished for you. And so Paul talks about, we can know this message with certainty. We can see its results clearly, right? He talks about, like, it's not worthless. It it had plenty of results. Read chapter 1. You can see the results that Paul's presence had giving this message to the church. And, And the interesting thing about this is the last phrase, in spite of great opposition. Paul gave this message to the people, and they were in the midst of incredible amounts of suffering as a, as, a, as a group. The church in Thessalonica, which was the, the, the Thessalonica, which was the, the city that this was in, I know it sounds weird, Thessalonica, but that city was under great amounts of suffering because of the gospel message. The church was under great suffering because of the gospel message. And, and Paul says, no, 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 this thing was effective no matter how much suffering people people had it was effective it wasn't worthless paul witnessed through this church the power of the gospel transforming an entire group of people like radically transforming their lives their lives were not different anymore these were different people he saw it he knew it happened with certainty He saw it with with complete clarity. There was no doubt in Paul's mind what God was doing in this church. And what did it do? It it moved Paul near them. Because Paul saw what God was doing in them, Paul wanted to be near them. When we witness the power of the gospel in somebody else's life, it calls us and draws us near to other people. When we witness the power of the gospel in somebody else's life, it calls us and draws us to move near to other people. Not just the people that God is working in, but people that we want to see God working in, right? We don't just move near people that we already see God at work in, but like you and I both have friends. We have people in our lives that have not experienced this amazing Jesus. And, and when we see the power of Jesus working in somebody else's life, it might encourage us and remind us that, man, God has the power to work in this person's life too. If God can work in this person's life, then God can definitely do something in this person's life. Surround your tables. I want you to talk about this. How have you seen the power of the gospel in your life? Have you seen the power of Jesus in your own life or maybe in the life of somebody else? Talk about that around your tables. Take about three minutes to do it. All right. Here's the, here's the deal. Here's the deal. You and I... Oh, good, good. Hey, I'm all right with it. Um, Here's the deal. You and I need to have clear evidence of God at work in our lives or in the lives of somebody else. The reality is, is if we do not have clear evidence of where we're seeing God work, we're going to be discouraged, right? Like, like, let's, let's like be really, really honest for a moment. Some of you had a really hard time thinking through this question. You're like, I don't know if I've actually witnessed the power of God at work in somebody's life. And, and here's the interesting thing. You have witnessed the power of God. You just might miss it. You might not be aware that that's what, maybe that's how God works in other people's lives. Or you, you might not even see it in the simplest things. For example, Romans 1 talks about how we can see the power of God at work in creation all the time. We can actually learn things about God through what he has made. And so when you guys are like, you know, raise your hand if you've ever been to the, excuse me, I almost burped in the microphone, that was gross. Um, Raise your hand if you've ever been to the mountains. You've seen the power of God at work as his creator 
crafted and molded these mountains. Like, it's amazing. Or the beach, right? We get a, we get a, we get a pretty interesting picture of how big God is when we recognize how small we are standing before an ocean that he created with his word. It's, it's, it's pretty remarkable when you, when you think about those things and you see the power of God. But maybe, um, like last week, if you were in our, uh, at Crosspoint last week for Sunday morning service, we had three people get baptized. And there were some powerful stories there, which gives us really clear evidence of how God is at work in other people's lives. It's, it's incredible. I know for me personally, one of the people that got baptized, I used to like party in their apartment years ago. Like years ago. And it was it's this incredible picture of how God has worked in her life. It was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. But for me, it was encouraging. It was a reminder. And again, it goes back to knowing with certainty. It gave me certainty of what God was doing in my life and in her life. And it encouraged me in the faith. So I, here's the thing. Maybe you don't have tangible evidence that you can like think of, clear evidence that you can think of, of the power of God working in your life individually or in the lives of other people. And here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Go home, maybe talk to your parents. Say, Mom, Dad, we, we were asked this question about like how, how we've seen the power of God work. Could you help me think that through? And they might be able to point things out that you missed and, and kind of help you see it. You know, or, or, or maybe... It's a, good, it's a good, uncomfortable feeling that you're feeling. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe thinking about the power of God and the fact that you haven't seen it is good. Because you, you're like, man, I haven't necessarily seen that. It gives you this uncomfortable feeling, but then that might give you a burden to become more aware of that. And so you, it's this moment where maybe you can go home and cry out to God in prayer, or cry out to God in prayer tonight and say, God, I want to I know you. I want to see you. I want to I see what, what John's talking about when he talks about your power at work in the world and, and things like that. So um, just think about that. Just think about that. Verse 3. Yes, perfect. For our exhortation, exhortation is just a, a word for like the, the teaching that we gave to you. He says, for our exhortation didn't come from error or impurity or an intent to deceive. Instead, just as we've been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please people, but rather God who examines our hearts. For we never used flattering speech, as you know, or had greedy motives. God is our witness. And we didn't seek glory from people either from you or from others. So, so Paul is, is talking about now, he's like, okay, so the message that he gave wasn't worthless, but the message is also trustworthy. You see, because what Paul's doing here in these passages is, he, is he's showing that the gospel message is genuine. It's genuine. It's given by genuine people who do not have false motives, right? He says like, hey, we weren't telling you this stuff about Jesus to like deceive you or lead you away. We weren't telling this stuff to you about Jesus because we were trying to get your approval, we weren't telling you this stuff about Jesus to kind of lie to you and make you think better of us. No, no, no. God has entrusted us with this news, and so we are telling this to you because we want to be people who please God. You see, Paul is saying that he is a genuine person giving a genuine message, and he has genuine motives. He has genuine motives. His motives are pure. What are his motives? This is where we see Paul connect his love for people with his love for God. Why is he communicating the gospel to these people? He's communicating it because God has commanded him to. And he wants to do it in a way that would please God, not people. I love this. 
a lot, a lot of times we think about, we, I, I think we think about the power of the messenger too much, right? And so as, a, as, a, as somebody who, you know, I get the opportunity to kind of do public speaking often, right? Like I do it here pretty regularly. Um, I get the opportunity. I've done it at the high school a few times at FCA. I, you know, I get to do it on Sunday mornings here. Um, sometimes I'll get asked to speak at things that are kind of not affiliated with our church, just, you know, through a friend that asked me to do it or whatever. And one of the things that's very, very, very fascinating about when I've gone to speak is a lot of people put a lot of, I want to say stock, but I, I don't want to use that word because I want to use a better word. Um, a lot of people put a lot of weight to the, the ability of the speaker, right? Like, man, your stage presence is great, or uh, the way that you speak is very eloquent, or it sounds good, or um, you're very, you know, um, you move around well, or whatever. A lot of people, when, when they talk about the quality of somebody speaking, they, they talk about the speaker and not what the speaker has said. And something that's very fascinating here is Paul actually says, like, if we read this honestly, if we take the Bible for what it says, Paul might have been seen as a very boring speaker in our day. Because he says, like, I didn't use any flattering speech. I didn't give you some sort of fancy message to where you'd be impressed with my words or my presence. You see, what, what Paul does is he talks about, he's like, I just communicated simply the message that was given to me. I didn't try to convince you with horrible motives. I didn't try to dress it up in, in, with flowery, flowery language. I just talked to you about who Jesus was plainly. And you see, it wasn't Paul's stage presence that got the Thessalonian church to get the gospel. It was the message that got the Thessalonian people to get the gospel. It's all about the message. It's, it's not about the messenger. It's all about what the person is communicating. It, it, here's the thing. It's, it's not about me when I'm up here. It's about what I'm saying and the message that I'm communicating. Because what I'm communicating is good news for you. If, and, and this is why Jesus over and over and over again in his gospel says, if you have ears, listen. Because what I'm telling you is everything that you need to know to experience complete unity with God. To experience a full life, the fullest life that you could ever have. And so if you have ears, listen. And listen closely, because this message matters, and it's good news. The power is not in the messenger, the power is in the message. Here's the reality I think that Paul is really driving toward. There is no place in the gospel for wearing masks. There's no place for wearing masks. I think we're tempted to, to, to get in here and like put on our church face and then like we leave and we're somebody else, right? We see it. We see it not just like here, but we, you know, you see it on social media. Um, I, know like, I know like people who have like a regular like Instagram account and then they have like a spam Instagram account where they put all their like their junk on that they don't want anybody else to see. And so they're showing their hypocrisy, their desire to live two different lives by having two different accounts and putting two different things on. I want people to see my public life, but my private life, I'm still going to put it online, but I'm only going to show it to a few people. Gospel living is no place. Paul, Paul, the gospel is all about being genuine. It's about being genuine. And so, and so when I'm up here, I'm not going to pretend like I'm some perfect dude. Like, I'm jacked up. I got a lot of problems. If you don't believe me, talk to Cade. Cade knows a lot of my issues. He does, because we, we're friends. 
In fact, the closer that I've gotten to Cade, the more Cade's seen my sin and that I'm, I'm a human being, just like he is. And the more close I've gotten to Cade, the more I've seen Cade's sin. But the, the amazing thing about the love of the gospel is, is, is though we get closer together and we get a greater glimpse of each other's fallen nature, we love each other well enough to look past that and help each other grow. That's why the people who irritate you the most are the people who know your sin the most, your family. Right? You know more than anybody else in here that the people in your house are far from perfect. Right? And the people in your house know that you're far from perfect. But for some reason, when we get outside of our house, or maybe even in our house, we're tempted to put on a mask. We are. There was a a long period of time where I was tempted to put on a mask because I found much more of my identity in being a pastor and trying to portray this image of being a perfect pastor. And I'm not. And I recognize that it's actually in communicating my weaknesses that it shows the strength of God in saving me. Because I have a lot of weaknesses. And so around your tables, I just want you to talk about this. So like, why do, you, why do you think it's tempting to fake it in church? What's tempting about faking it in church? Or in school, like wherever you're at. But why do you think it's tempting to fake it in church? Talk about that. All right. Hey, let's take a look at verse 7 and 8, and then we will be done for the night. All right, verse 7. It's on the screen if you do not have a Bible in front of you. Verse 7, although although we could have been a burden as Christ's apostles. So, I, I, so Paul's talking about, real quick, I just kind of want to frame this before we, before we say something. Paul is talking about... Um, previously when he had come to the church like in person and was in their lives and involved and he was, he was preaching the gospel to them like in the synagogue and uh, regularly involved in their lives. He's talking about that time. So when Paul was physically present with them, he says, although we could have been a burden as Christ's apostles, instead we were gentle among you as a nurse nurtures her own children. We cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. Mac, you okay? You need some help over there? Okay, cool. Um, What Paul is saying here is essentially, as an apostle of Jesus Christ, because I carry this title of apostle, I could have flexed my authority muscles at you and got you to do what I want. But instead, I was gentle. Do you get that? I could have used my position of authority to get you to do what I want and communicate the gospel to you from from that way. But instead, I was gentle. I was gentle. Now, why was he gentle? Because he cared so much for them that he didn't just want to share the gospel of God, the good news of God. He wanted to share with them his own life. His own life. He wanted to give them time. He wanted to give them energy. He wanted to give them effort. He didn't just want to communicate a message, but he wanted to give them his very self in the process. See, Paul's love for them and his desire, his consistent love for Jesus and consistent love for people moved him to lay down his life to get the message to them. He was gentle instead of heavy, and he... And he, and he he cherished them instead of ignored them. He didn't, just, he didn't just give them a message and walk away and say, okay, like, mic drop, I'm going to walk away now. 
we're, we're, we're gone, and leave. He didn't just come into the town, give a message, and then take off. No, no, no. Paul spent time with them. Paul actually spent quite a bit of time in this city meeting with people and talking with people and helping them understand the gospel, and he invested his entire life in the people of Thessalonica because he loved them. Why are we talking about this? We're talking about this because you and I, again, we have inconsistent love for God and inconsistent love for people. We struggle with this. So Paul is giving us a clear picture here of what consistent love for God and consistent love for people looks like. It's serving. It's serving. But it's not just serving, right? All the way back to the beginning of this, what did I say? I said, we must talk about Jesus, right? Like, we we must do that. We talk about that all the time. Like, share your faith. Talk about your faith. Talk about it with your friends. We must talk about Jesus. Why? Why must we talk about Jesus? Because we have a deep concern for them. That's why. Because we have a deep concern for them. And so how are we going to end this time together? Well, we're going to end it with this question. How have you felt cherished? Listen to this passage. I just want you to hear, try to put yourself in the position of Paul. Paul is writing this. This is a letter. I know this is like 2,000 years old and it's like printed in our Bible and and all of that stuff. This was written 2,000 years ago. But try to hear Paul's emotion while I read this. Try to hear Paul's emotion. Although we could have been a burden as Christ's apostles, instead we were gentle. As a nurse, as a nursing mom nurtures her own children, we cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. Because you have become very dear to us. Do you hear in, 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 in the tone of his writing, do you hear just like how much he cares for the people he's talking to? Like he cares so much for these people that he's willing to share his very life with them. Think about a time where you've been cherished or you felt cherished. It might be in like a a similar way to this, where like somebody's wanting you to experience Jesus. Maybe it's a different one, right? Like, um, I feel cherished when, uh, it was actually yesterday, Sarah woke me up, and she she told me, she asked me, she was like, hey, I know you have homework and stuff to do. Um, Get out of the house so that you can get it done and focus on what you need to do. And she literally pushed me out of the house because she knew if I would stay in the house, I would have gotten distracted. In that moment, I felt cherished. I felt cared for. You know what I mean? Like, I knew she had a deep concern for me, and that's what was moving her to make the decision. So think about a time that you've been cherished. Now think about this. There are people in your life that you probably want to experience Jesus. How could you make them feel cherished? How could you make them feel cherished? Deeply cared for. Uh, You don't need to talk about that in your groups. That's just what I want to leave you with. I want to leave you with that question. Think about the people in your life that you want to experience the power of the gospel. How can you help them feel cherished? When you allow yourself to be vulnerable to people, it actually shows the power of the gospel. And And so in the process of making somebody feel cherished, don't be afraid to let them see who you really are and take the mask off and allow your weaknesses to be shown because God's word promises that his strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. 
And so when you're vulnerable, that's when the power of God really shows itself. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for um, your word. God, help us to be vulnerable people. People who are not afraid um, to talk about how you've changed us. People who are not afraid to allow our weaknesses to be seen so that redemption can be seen, so that salvation can be seen, so that your work in our lives can be seen as you continue to change us and make us more like Jesus. Lord, help us to draw near to you. Give us a consistent love for you and a consistent love for people. God, we we know that those things um, are not anything that we're able to do on our own. And so God, uh, fill us with your spirit. Help us to depend on your spirit. Help us to rely on the power of your spirit so that we can move forward and walk forward in a way that loves you and loves people well. God, help us to show our friends and our family this week that we cherish them. In Jesus' name, amen.